Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. I'm Lydia Long, and for the season of Advent, we will be bringing you some special episodes. These Christmas and Advent themed episodes will feature conversations with friends and families of Life Church. I believe we all have amazing stories that we're meant to share, and in sharing our stories, we all grow. We pray that these conversations are very meaningful for you and that they may help bring you some peace and some inspiration through this Christmas season. Today's conversation is with Ryan Clark. Ryan has been involved with worship arts for years and also works as a composer. As we're about to enter into this fourth week of Advent, Ryan and I talk about the theme of love and adoration for God. Ryan, thank you so much for making some time. I know this is a super busy season for you, so I'm super grateful for you to make the time and chat with us. For sure. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself to our friends that may not know you and just tell us a little bit about you and how you're connected to Life Church. Cool, yeah. I, my name is Ryan. I, um, I'm connected to Life Church in a lot of ways. I play a lot on the weekends, try to help manage the, the band and the arrangements and keep all the turtles in their herd. Yeah, it's been a few years now, really like it. I do a lot of film composition on the side. Um, things are going very, very well and one every step's a step and just put one foot in front of the other and trying to get uh, better at what I do every day. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about your family? And yes, yeah. I have, uh, I'm married. Trish and I have been married for like, it'll be 13 years this 13 year. 13 years, awesome. Yeah, we got married, uh, I was like 20, and um, we have three little girls. Mm -hmm. They pretend like they own the whole campus here on Sunday mornings. I love it. Yeah, we, you know, they have probably anywhere from 15 to 30 donuts every single weekend. Yeah. But they're always wearing their cute little dresses. They are uh, uh, Ava, uh, Olivia, and Eleanor, Uh and they're, let's see, Uh four, six, and eight this year. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. They're super cute. I think they are. Uh, they're for sure super cute. <laughs> love them. I really want to get into your work, but I, I love your family so much, and I, I would love to have you share with just, like, what is it like raising three daughters? My dad raised three sons, and so yeah. I've heard all the stories about raising three sons super close in ages, but just, like, anything unique and fun or extra difficult you feel like with raising three daughters? I don't know. I don't have any boys, so... Um, I don't know. I don't know how it how it fares. I've heard, I've heard people say that. Well, you're lucky you don't have boys because boys are so gross. <laughs> I'm like, dude, girls are so gross, <laughs> and that is just so far from the truth. Like, they yeah. they give anybody a run for their money. So but as far as raising them, it's just, yeah. it's kind of been a blast. They keep me on my toes. Yeah. They keep Trish and I working 24/7. Yeah. But every season's different. Yep. Um, we homeschool. Okay, nice. Yep. We live really close to a few other families from Life Church cool. that do the same thing That's and cool. are part of the adoption thing. So it's kind of a, cool. we have a great community to kind of lean on sometimes. But yeah, Trisha homeschools and she does really well at it. Absolutely. Uh, and they love that. But um, yeah, it's always been kind of a part. We always wanted to be a tight knit family. Yeah. We always wanted kids. Yeah. We always wanted to, to raise kids and we, uh, Trisha's super into the farm thing so we have you know it's like education by immersion so they have (laughs) animals they got horses and 
We had some cows for a little while. Oh they live across the street now. Gotcha. <laughs> Traded them. Yeah. Yeah. So they they learn it's good responsibility. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, challenges. Any. I'm sure it's the same challenges. Every season brings a different set of challenges. For so, sure. you know, eight-year-old challenges are different yes. than the three-year-old and four-year-old yeah. challenges. So. Yeah. But yeah, we love them, and it's been yeah. so fun. It's been so fun seeing them grow. Yeah. And I like seeing their brains develop, but it's been sure. it's been pretty fun. That's so cool. You said Trisha is into the farm life. Does that mean that you are not? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> I, it means <laughs> no. I I'm into it. Okay, okay. Uh, I just never knew I was going to be into okay. it. But yeah, I grew up in a track home yep. my whole life. Yep. Like never never deviated from that. Mm-hmm. And then you know Trisha and I got married. We were in Southern California for a long mm-hmm. time in an apartment so i was not thrown off by that at all we moved back up to reno to be around family and you know i moved us right into a track home which is just what i was used to yep (laughs) and then we found this place in washoe valley and it was kind of run down Mm -hmm. and needed a bunch of work Mm -hmm. and we both just wanted to go for it but it's morphed into this cool little little yeah. farm experience i never had yeah. anything bigger than a golden retriever yeah seriously yeah so she she it's it's her thing in the sense that she teaches me how to do it because <laughs> she knows how to that's awesome yeah she knows how to she knows what to do that's so cool but yeah we just we do it together though i have high hopes it's like i i'm barely making a garden right now but uh oh. i'm gonna try to tackle the garden before i add any farm animals <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just get a lot of them so nobody notices what's going yeah. on <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. That's so fun, though. Anything, I mean, this next week of Advent, we're kind of focusing on this idea of love and adoration of God mm-hmm. is kind of the focus we're going into this week. And, and I really want to focus in on your work and maybe how that kind of ties into what you do. But before we move too quickly to that way, I wanted to take a second to just um, talk about love and adoration in your family and maybe what ways have you experienced growth um, within your marriage, within parenting, that has helped you increase this idea of love for God and love for people? Yeah. With raising the girls, you, you start to see um, you start to see parts of yourself pop out. The good, the bad, the ugly parts. But it's just it it has it has made me um, appreciate and adore my wife more only because I can see our, our middle one is like a, the spitting image of my wife. And it's just so fun to see how through different seasons I can see, I can see myself and a lot, a lot of their actions. Yeah. Uh, some stuff I think is awesome. Some stuff that I don't like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but you know, I, 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 we honestly, I've learned, I've learned to love them a lot more and have more, um, adoration, uh, even for a creator, yeah. you know, to, to know, cause it's just so much, so much artistry in a human being that, you know, our God created us not only to be in the image of him, but we carry around traits yeah. of images of ourselves yeah. and our spouses. And yeah. I think that's really, 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 really fun. My favorite way to worship God too, is in adoration for his creation and looking cool. at things that he's created. Yeah. And to see the artistry, I tell people all the time, you can see, you can see signatures and fingerprints on everything, you know, from 
the way the human body cells kind of look like Seriously, leaves or, yeah, yeah. you know, and how, but I don't know if that answers your question, No, that's perfect. I but I, you know, I, that's one way that I think, yeah. um, having a family has increased my, at least my awareness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for this season, we've been going through, uh, Advent too, as a family, nice. which is, which is kind of cool. We yeah. fight over who lights the candle, Yep, nice. <laughs> but at least it's, uh, at least it's happening. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think the kids hear a word of it. They just, they focus on where the lighter is That's on the right. table. Fire is intriguing. So we all love fire. <laughs> now we make them say kind of a, a little bit nice. um, about what they're feeling, try to get them yeah. that instilled in them. But That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to dive into your work and I want to preface this conversation with the idea that we're all learning and I'm very new to your world and this industry. And so you have full freedom to correct me. I'm probably gonna use wrong words uh-huh. about how I describe things. So we'll learn together. Have, exactly, I was gonna say, for those <laughs> of us listening and for Lydia, we're gonna yeah. learn together. And so you have full freedom to correct me, but, um, and teach me and teach us. Yeah. So my understanding is that you are a composer, is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, typically um, a composer on a film crew is somebody who writes original music to support their story or project. Yeah, I went to school uh, loosely for music, and uh, but now I've been trying to dive in for the last, I don't know, five years into the composition world and score, score independent films mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hopefully score bigger projects one day. Yeah. But yeah, it's somebody who, who, who writes music for film. Awesome. And you're the first person that I Googled and you have, you were hard to find online. Yeah. There's a lot of Ryan Clarks out there. There that is. That are like so the, in your the, industry. The, the, oh my gosh. <laughs> They're everywhere. So there's, there's this wedding singer that just obliterates. Oh, that's funny. It's ryanclark.com if anybody wants to check it out. <laughs> I've tried to, yeah. Yeah. Ryan Clark music, I think. Oh, that's funny. And he owns that. Uh-huh. And I've like, I've tried to Try yeah. to buy it from yeah seriously so he is a wedding he's a full-blown wedding singer that's so awesome. that's the first correction i have to make when people uh, talk yeah the other one is the the dude that plays for the steelers oh oh okay yeah okay. so obviously um <laughs> uh, obviously i'm a lot more successful than him of course so. that's what we were all thinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> no he's everywhere yeah. and then there's a couple other band musician yeah. guys yeah i'm hard to find yeah. That's not a great thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have an IMDb, which is, I was really shocked. I don't think I know anyone in my real life that has an IMDb. Oh, really? So I, then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm so nervous to talk to Riot. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. have quite a few projects that I think you're known for, and even one on Apple TV. Do you want to kind of talk about, is that correct? Totally. Yeah. Do you want to talk about one of those couple of your most recent projects? My first one, yeah, that? my first one was a Bollywood project, actually. Okay. And almost, uh, it wasn't a Bollywood musical, but they wanted like, they wanted an Americana approach to a Bollywood film. And it's, it was like, I think it was 50 or 75% in Hindi. Okay. Yeah. And 25% in English, but it was subtitled. Yeah. But it was my first full length feature, meaning it was north of 60 minutes. This one was 120 minutes and just weaving sections together musically and you know it's it was like my first big project and it 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 turned out okay nice yeah i actually i learned so much i'm like i'm so thankful to be a part of it just because of how much i learned i'm sure the guys involved were like yeah we 
don't want to pay Ryan to learn <laughs> right now, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. But yeah, yeah, I, that one, that one was on Netflix and it trended okay. top 10 in India. Wow. That's yeah, amazing. So that was like my first, that was like my first real project. That's so exciting. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then Apple TV bought another one. Uh-huh. Um, that one's called, I, that one's called Solomon. But yeah, I've just been trying to, I've been trying to, to get better and trying to work on more projects and stuff, but it's going, it's going very, very well. Awesome. There's a new one, yeah, um, that I believe got purchased by Netflix this okay. week. Awesome. That I just finished a month ago. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that one. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, a lot of these Netflix or Hulu, when it says original, it means that they've purchased it sometimes, mm-hmm. most times, uh, from these independent film crews. Okay. And those crews will hire their own people okay. to do stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's... It's been kind of been kind of crazy, but I learn I just learn more stuff every week. Seriously, yeah. And it's just like it's like a crash course. Yeah. <laughs> every project is so different. I swore yeah. after the first one, I'm like, I don't know if I can even do this. <laughs> and like, here you are. <laughs> this is so intense. And then the second yeah. one was like, this is easy. And then I cut, you know, you get yeah. more into it, and it's like, this is not easy. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then you do another one, and uh-huh. but it's going pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. So. You know, and even like the Netflix piece, I didn't even understand the originality piece. In my brain, I thought that was like fully Netflix crews doing those projects from start yeah. to finish. So could you give us a better picture of like w- being a composer? What does that actually look like? Like what does your day-to-day schedule look like? What are you actually working on? Are you pretty much from start to end of a project? Are you recording all of that yourself or are you writing pieces that you're then kind of outsourcing to other musicians who record that um all the above (laughs) all of it yeah i mean me personally uh i also work a day job i got yeah so i i I work i work at a family business okay but on a project typically it's just they are 12 16 hour days so a composer usually gets brought in when the project moves into what they call like post-production, mm-hmm. meaning they're starting to fix the colors and fix the Correct. audio and different stuff. Um, if you're lucky enough, you get brought in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they don't, they don't bring you in that early. They're not, they're not thinking about music. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about, mm-hmm. is it gonna rain this day that I'm shooting this project? Yeah, they don't care. that makes sense. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get brought in at the last, uh, kind of the last, third um and they it's just been so different i think back back in the day they would send you reels and reels of films and they you would you would you would isolate them and you do these reels but since the evolution of technology um i'll be i'll be scoring a section at the same time somebody's re-editing on their laptop anywhere and so then you get um then you get you know you try to have to piece it together Mm -hmm. in a perfect world you know you would be delivered a final like they call it a locked picture where nothing's going to change okay um i've yet to receive one of those (laughs) (laughs) but you know uh, and i've heard stories about how um even from my level to guys that are doing it for blockbusters it's an ever-changing process i talk a lot with a guy who who works with Michael Bay and all these Transformers and all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about how, 
he's trying to score these sections that are constantly being edited on the other side and then you know they're two weeks out from it being released and he's outside of his studio and he sees this this bus drive by and the billboard of the movies on this bus and he's not done oh my that would this the amount of pressure and stress seriously you know and everything like in any industry needed to be done yesterday and it needed to be done right yesterday Mm -hmm. and it's not Mm-hmm. It's not right, and it's also not yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, as far as musicians and stuff, like I love collaborating. Yeah, I've been you know doing the music directing thing in churches for a long time, so that's always been collaborative, and so I always bring in people and try to try to utilize what they have and mm-hmm. let them be a part of it, so they can be yeah. proud of it too. And yeah. I don't know if we have a project yet where it's like, no, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it keeps the push going forward. Um, sometimes, yeah, you hire your friends. Sometimes you hire, you, you write the stuff all all in your studio, and it's sent to an orchestrator, and somebody mm, gotcha. dictates it on paper, and then you hire an orchestra to play it. Wow. I haven't, I haven't had one of those land in a film yet, uh-huh. but uh, we're talking about it. Nice. For sure, and it's just a, it needs a little bit more time. Yep sometimes but i think it's kind of important to keep the orchestra employed seriously (laughs) computers are so great but uh you know those guys those guys are amazing and have dedicated so much time to their craft and once you hear something that you've done and they somebody else plays it it's so much better yeah (laughs) you know because you can't you can't just be the best on everything you Mm -hmm. know you play you play what you play as best as you can but somebody comes and makes it way better yeah yeah absolutely how how did you end up doing this? Like, what um, kind of led you to this pathway in this industry? And and maybe just if you could comment for a moment about why is this work meaningful for you? Why are you? I mean, you even talked about like there are some moments where you're like, should I even continue doing this? But yeah, you still are. It sounds like sometimes. so. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Um, so maybe why is this meaningful for you, and, and why do you want to continue in this industry? Um, Trish and I were living in uh, Southern California where I, you know, met Jason and uh, and AJ and we were, I was a music director at a church down there and, you know, we were, I was, you know, coordinating bands and stuff and, you know, we had, we had this draw of people and I was only doing uh, church music at the time and I went to school for, you know, and studied music for an undergrad program and then I remember you know I was always intrigued because we'd have guys come in and you know it's like oh this this dude's the music director for Mariah Carey or this guy plays plays bass with Foster the People or this guy you know we had Michael Jackson's drummer come in and play one time and these guys are just doing these things at a global scale that is just so meaningful and so fun and they're inspiring and they need uh, but they need they need friends they need they need pastors to walk alongside them and try to and and to live life with you know it's it gets kind of lonely for them I've never toured or anything like that but you know I've hung out with a lot of people that do it on a very very grandiose scale and I always liked being that guy for them I liked being their friend and you know just just being there when they needed stuff and and in turn you know you get invited to their weddings and you get to see how their lives progress so I have always loved movies 
I've always loved, I think the first score that probably, uh, that I would recognize and just like kind of whistle around the house is like Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. you know, and I love, I still love, that's one of my yeah. favorites. And yeah. um, anyway, so combined with working with professionals and then um, love for movies and stuff, I remember one day I had a friend who was working on like a TV show and a pitch for a TV show. And I'm like, wait a minute, real people actually do this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like for work, like you can, you can write music and people pay you to, to do that. And <laughs> so I was just hooked. And then like yeah. every day since that was in, uh, I think that was in like 2012 or 13. And I seriously think about it every day when I wake up, I just, I can't stop. It's probably an obsession, well, you know, cool. but I just think about it every day. And that's what I've I, it's not like I've wanted to do it since I was five years old. I didn't even knew it, know it existed. Of course, yeah. But yeah, I just I I love it. I love the whole pro, uh, process of it. So anyway, and then I, I so I found this this niche where it's like my love for film, and you know I was never very good at it, and I'm not really a good enough musician to to tour and do it like these other guys. So I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna wedge myself right here, where it is, you know, or where I have a place and something that I love and being able to do it and not have to be on a tour bus for six months or yeah. eight months is a win for me. Yeah, seriously. So trying to, I, I, I feel like I found something that is, that has a global impact. And then along the way, you can truly inspire people and inevitably they will ask why you are the way that you are Yeah. and why you know, we uh, every project I've had, it has come up that I am a Christian. Mm. I, you know, I'm involved in the local church. I mm -hmm. serve God. It comes up, wow. and it comes up in the coolest ways. Yeah. And you know, and then at that point, you get to share, you get to share what you have, and sometimes people's lives change forever. Yeah. But I'm. It's just kind of addicting at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love it. I really wanted to chat with you, and I love learning about this side of the industry that I just had no clue about. And But I really want to talk to you. I heard uh, John Acuff has this new book called Soundtracks that I can't endorse the book. I haven't read it yet, but I heard him talking about the idea for the book, and he kind of set this scene of what scores do to us and what soundtracks do to our emotions and yeah. the environment. And he kind of gave the example of, you know, a shot, you're panning down like a neighborhood street, and you can see the sidewalks and the driveways and these gorgeous houses. And if the music under that, the score under that is a peaceful piano melody that's calming, you know, your emotions are going to feel like safety. You're going to think of home and maybe you're about to start a Hallmark movie. But take that same scene and change the music to something eerie and sinister. You know, your emotions are going to drastically change towards tension and your heart rate's probably going to increase and you're going to be aware that you're starting a horror movie, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think just that's always, that's really stuck with me over the last couple of months. I've really been thinking about the impact that music and scores, I mean, not even just film, you know, yeah. and he's, he's taking that idea and talking about perspective and mindset, but I've been thinking about it of like 
the, the impact that music has on our souls, our emotions, our relationship with others and our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, just any of your thoughts about that or maybe some examples from projects you've worked on where you really had to think about what is the emotion I'm trying to take out of the scene or have people feel out of the scene and just overall your thoughts on the power and the impact that music has for our emotions and our environment. Totally. Music is it's like a whole nother language and and you you feel what it's putting out Mm -hmm. and that's uh so inspiring to me and so scary because it it can be extremely manipulative Mm -hmm. um and it can be like extremely inspiring all at the same time uh i there was a project uh there's a scene in this project where it you know some not great stuff was happening and I scored it four times because they wanted revisions and every single time finally the guy's like the fourth time it's like why does this sound menacing why does this sound not good why does this sound Mm. because I'm like it because it's not good Mm -hmm. it's not because I because it doesn't feel good Mm. you know and uh anyway I ended up convincing him that it didn't uh, not not in a not in a weird way, but I, you know, he ended up taking out the whole thing. Wow. Because I'm like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody. Uh-huh. You know, I really would love to just work on films that make the world a better place. I don't want, you know, I don't want to work on films that are just trash. That doesn't do anything for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so the music actually um, affected, affected this scene. And then th- through that, it started a conversation of, hey, well, does it need to be there? Mm-hmm. And and I know how that probably sounds. I don't convince directors of what needs to be in their of artistic course, yeah. expression, but you know, it didn't really it didn't really need to be there and it wasn't helpful to the film or whatever, so it ended up was taken out. That's awesome. Yeah, that's why the film got a better got a better like family rating for it and I, I think it was a win win. Mm-hmm. But even in even in church, you know, music and worship has a huge role to play. I've loved that. And, you know, I, you know, I'll be honest, I try to be as mindful as I can that I'm not steering an emotion. I don't want people to be manipulated. I want them to hear Jesus. I don't want them to hear whatever emotion I got for them right then. Yeah. But yeah, music is just so, so important. Will you take a bit to just talk about, because you put a lot of time and energy, you and our worship team and our production team, we put a lot of time and energy and thought and prayer into the musical worship part of our service. I mean, every Sunday service, we spend a majority of our service is in music and song and singing. And so there is this importance of of public worship, right, that we do together. And then also, I, I would love to hear your thoughts about private worship. If, you know, how music and just musical worship ties into our private spiritual walk with the Lord, and also just this public side of worshiping together, using music together in a public setting. Yeah, um, a large portion of the service is devoted to to public worship. Um, both are obviously so important, you know, and I'd be lying if I said that I rocked both of them, you know, every week. You know, you, you start getting into habits where it's like, gosh, you kind of you kind of get away from your private worship a little bit. And then I notice things that are affected by that, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of guys would say, a lot of pastors would say, like, 
all the time as a worship production team it's not really your time to worship on the stage but uh i come at it with how can you not when yeah. when it's when it's not artificial mm-hmm. and it's like you know everybody's everybody's into it it's like yeah. it's um contagious yes and sure. so but yeah i honestly i i've always tried to um even worship through the preparation of it mm-hmm. where it's like hey you know we're on kind of a tight schedule in the service so we want we want to uh we want to have this that or the other so you know we look at it from a team and i don't I don't do a majority of the work. There's so many people involved, specifically here at Life Church, that do a lot. But you know, as I do my small part, I try to make sure that what I'm doing, I'm a worshiping through it, and b trying to be mindful about where we're taking, where we're, you know, uh, crafting this story. Where's the arc yeah. in this story on a Sunday morning? That's good. Um, you know, and not try to be distracting. Yeah. But yeah, I think both are just as important as the other. I love worshiping on the stage on Sunday. Mine doesn't look, I don't, I don't jump around or stuff like that. But not it, not everybody's built like that, yeah. you know. I think that's the beauty of the church Absolutely. is your community time, and you don't have to you don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to. It doesn't mean anything. You come at it with your own expression, and it's equally as beautiful as yeah. somebody else's. Absolutely. And uh, but yeah, we all worship in our own way, and I think that's the coolest part about Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts you have about music um, encouraging our love and adoration for God? My advice on that is to make sure that as you use music to um, enhance your relationship with God is that you're not crutching yourself on it. Mm, You're not falling in love with an emotion. That's good. You know, instead, you're falling in love with this story that is... That is the story of Jesus, and you know, you have to understand the story and understand the meaning of the story instead of just instead of just having an understanding for this emotion that this music leads you to 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 sit in sometimes. And you know, music's it, like we said, it's powerful, but make sure you're not falling in love with the music. That's good. You know, so. I think it can be an enhancement to relationship with Christ, but I would start with just the relationship, yeah. you know, yes. and then and then build on it from there. That's so wise and such a good word. I really appreciate your wisdom and clarity in that. Anything that we didn't get to say today that you really want to say or anything that's on your heart to share today? I think as we grow as a church in worship, on the forefront of our mind should be our relationship with Christ and that you don't have to do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do the things that other people do. You do it your own way. And that's that's your contribution to this church and to the kingdom. And but and that's that's the best part about this whole thing. That's good. No, that's <laughs> good. My last question is, um, I would love to hear, it could be a specific Christmas tradition for you and your family, or even just something that you've made a part of your regular rhythm for life, but just something that helps you grow in your love and adoration for God. I think this season, for the last couple years, I'm not like an outdoorsman, sportsman by any stretch of the Mm -hmm. imagination, but, you know, my wife and I have been like talking about like hiking and I you know she hikes she's amazing at it I walk yeah. Uh, yeah but we've been spending a lot of time outside and yes. 
for Christmas, we've like cut down our own Christmas tree and okay, yeah. and brought it home. I don't know how people feel about that, but no, it's a theme. We on did. This it's too already. late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. But you know, doing that, we like you know you're outside and you're observing God's creation, and how can you not, you know, admire? the creator when you're seeing all these amazing things and maybe we take an artistic approach to it too often but I think it's amazing so for the last like three Sundays we've been uh, like going to Tahoe or trying to hike somewhere trying to do some new stuff spending some time outside trying to teach the kids you know how it all works as far as we understand and but yeah kind of spending some time with God that way I love that. Thank you so, so much for taking some time to talk with us and share your story with us and just helping the rest of us grow in love and adoration for God this season. So thank you so much, Ryan. No problem. Thank you. We pray that this conversation was meaningful and interesting for you today. As you enter into this next week of Advent, take some time to reflect on your love and adoration for God. Reflect on the character and attributes of God and how you can respond in worship this week.